Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, well it's, it's part of a two-parter. Um, I've discovered the most incredible YouTube channel uh, jits into the sunset. It's um, most of you have probably heard it or watched it so far um, because it's huge and it's wonderful. And and the presenters and creators, uh, uh, Adam and Tanya, um, who have just got this incredible series of, of of films. They're filmmakers and they 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 make these beautiful travel documentaries uh, of their van life and the travels that um, and experiences that they they endeavour. Um, Upon and it's absolutely glorious and uh, and so as as, as being a, a a subject I'm very excited about and, and interested in, I thought it'd be a, a really fascinating chat to get some some YouTube uh, creators on uh, and 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 Tanya and Adam um, are absolutely adorable people and you're gonna if you've not discovered them already you're gonna fall in love with them there and uh, and so today's uh, the first part of two episodes, and uh, because I could have them on together, but I think for for listeners of the podcast, you, you're aware that the you know the, the couple of times where I've had two guests on at the same time, the, the format doesn't really work with it. It doesn't allow me to you know do that deep dive into into somebody's life and and story. So um, they're going to come on separately. So I'm going to put them both out this week, but um, I'm going to start with Adam. Uh, and um, and we we have a wonderful chat, and uh, and you're going to hear it very very soon. But before we do uh, any of that, if it's your first time listening, welcome. Um, you're you're late to the party. Uh, we're 400 episodes and, and and a few more in in already. I've been really lucky. Um, I've got to chat to some incredible people. Um, some of my favourite musicians and DJs and producers and actors and comedians and. And you can go and listen to them all for free uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And and you've missed out so far on uh, the likes of the Foo Fighters and the Killers and Public Enemy through to comedians like Ed Gamble and James Acaster and Jade Adams through to superstar producers like Fatboy Slim and Butch Vig um, or big rock and rollers like um, Tommy Lee from, from Motley Crue uh, and and just acting heavyweights like Maxine Peake, Michael Smiley, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgoose. Um, like I said, there's hundreds and hundreds. So I, I guarantee that if you have a nice little rummage around, you'll you'll find loads of chats with some of your favourite favourite people. So go and get stuck into that. Uh, I'd like to say a few thank yous. Uh, I want to thank Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Uh, and I want to thank the team over at Blue Murder Club. Blue Murder Club uh, is a wonderful true crime podcast, and uh, and the team over there produced this podcast. So, um, so big thanks to them. Um, and yeah, I think we can we can jump straight into uh, to part one of a two part episode. So please enjoy um, today's episode with Adam from Jits Into the Sunset. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Morning, Adam. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you, Stu. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I mean, before we do anything, 
That doesn't look like a camper van you're in today. <laughs> it is not a camper van. So, yeah, normally we are full-time. I'm full-time living in a camper van, but we're taking a bit of a break over winter, um, sheltering from the cold, and we're actually... Yeah, we're going to go backpacking. We wanted to travel somewhere a bit more tropical. So we're in the middle of transitioning out of the camper van and into, um, yeah, backpacking life for a while. We're always going to be doing van life. And we've we've lived in our van for the last three and a half years full time. Yeah. And it's just nice to be in a building for, for, for a little bit. I love van life, but, you know, you can never, you can never appreciate how nice it is to have a flushing toilet and to have a tap and plumbing until <laughs> until you've moved into a van and you come back to a house and you have it. You're like, wow. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, for, for those that um, uh, haven't kind of stumbled across what you do on uh, on YouTube and as a podcast as well, could you sort of give mm-hmm. uh, uh, the listeners a little bit of an insight into, into what you do? Because that's essentially how I, I kind of happen to have this conversation with you today because yeah. I'm – very excited by van life and I stumbled across a YouTube channel uh, hosted by yourself and Tanya I'll be speaking to after and it, it blew my mind and so if you could sort of give us a little bit of an insight as to what jits into the sunset means as well yes so we moved into a camper van together three and a half years ago now about yeah a few months like it's the September before the pandemic September 2019 and we've been traveling around ever since making films and putting them out on YouTube. Um, we quit our jobs. We were, we met in London, uh, myself and Tanya, my girlfriend who travels with me. Um, and we've just been on the road ever since it's, it's been wild. Like we, we quit and we initially thought, Oh yeah, we'll just go traveling for a year and then we'll come back and resume life kind of thing. But the more we were in a van, the more we realized, oh, this is great. Like the sacrifices that you need to make to live in a van aren't as bad as I thought. Yeah. And how much fun it is and the amazing payoffs you get from living in a van are just more amazing than I thought. So uh, we both agreed, like, let's just keep going. And from our YouTube, that picked up a little bit of steam. We got a bit of uh, a bit of a community. We started building a community and that ended up pretty much being able to we're just at the point now where that is kind of funding our travels so we didn't need to go back to work yeah. uh, and we just kind of like kind of accidentally became youtubers we always were going to make films doing it and put them on youtube because my background is filmmaking so that was something we were always going to do um but it just yeah developed into a new career path really strange i still find it strange saying oh, i'm a youtuber if someone yeah. asks what i'm doing because for so long i've said oh, i'm a cameraman and an editor because yeah. that's what my background is so yeah that was it and then about uh it was summer of last year we did we started our podcast because there's not much travel adventure like van life podcasts out there and it's a kind of a similar format to to this podcast actually and the fact that we just chat to people within a specific niche of mm. course yours is mostly musicians ours is mostly people who have done some kind of full-time travel um and yeah we, we'd been we'd been wanting to start it for so so long and we kept putting it off because we were like we're not good enough and then we recorded one listen like about two years ago we listened to it um and we're like no okay we're not going to do this it's not good enough yeah. and then a year later we came back to it revisited and we're like we should do this yeah. played it out and we're like oh we'd say exactly the same now if we were to redo it so let's just put this one out and then that was it and since then that was last summer and we've been posting one every week and it's the most yeah. consistent we've been on anything because anyone who follows us on YouTube will know that we don't post every week. <laughs> we post the films that we want to post and uh, yeah, it's much less frequent. Well, I'll, so, I'll, yeah, I'll, pick that's, up, that's... I'll pick right up on that kind of the, the journey through filmmaking and the initial uh, kind of travels and such and, and, and what you do. But let's, let's kick off the playlist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've been super greedy on, on all of the song, on all of the questions. <laughs> Like and uh, it's all right. I'll let you have honourable mentions, but you give me a couple for uh, for a few of the questions, mate. But you can only because I have decided. <laughs> but you can have get the honourable mention out of the way first. But for track one, I always ask guests, um, "What's the song with the greatest ever intro?" Okay, so the reason that I found it so difficult is because 
it's like my mind just goes blank. It's like when you get asked, oh, what's your favorite film? Suddenly you can't remember any films you've ever yeah. seen. So I was like, oh my God. So I, I spent so long thinking about this. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I ended up writing down a list of, of loads and I whittled them down. Um, so the honorable mention would be Can't Stop Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's okay. just because it's cool. Yeah. So there's no real story behind that yeah. one. But the one I've chosen is Deeper Underground by Jamiroquai. And I just... I just love it. And it's just the drop when it goes from the kind of instrumental classical into the, into the beat. I just love, and it's kind of the story for it as well as to why I remember it, because I was walking up through the village I grew in listening to it on my way to, I think to get cream soda or some like horrible drink when I was like a kid. And I'd been watching the Rocky films with my friend and I really wanted to make a film like the Rocky film and listening to this song, I could visualize like a fight sequence in my head to this song and to this intro and the drop was the punch. And that song is eventually what inspired the f my first proper film that I ever made. Um, a, by proper film, I mean a film that wasn't just me on my own with my camera. <laughs> I yeah. actually got actors and made it so that song for me was the the song that inspired me to make my first film it's a boxing film very similar to the rockies the storyline is very similar to the rockies but <laughs> it was just a way of me experimenting yeah and and deeper underground was from a film score as well wasn't it it's was from the godzilla soundtrack yeah i think so it's it very was. very cinematic mm. and and you say cinematic uh and so i live in a tiny little town in Essex um mm. and growing up we had a very very old cinema like a big theater with these big kind of spiral staircases it was a beautiful it's beautiful but it's still there now it's it's listed and it's it's derelict uh it's this huge cinema the video to deeper underground is made in my hometown and I don't know if you remember no the way. video but JK's dancing on the top of all of these seats in a cinema, and there's water <laughs> everywhere, like flying up waves and such. It's like it's a crazy, crazy video, but it's actually filmed in my in my tiny little hometown. So when that comes across, I've got to thumb that that story in. Um, but what that's I wanna, amazing. What I want to ask you in regards to intro, Adam, is that mm. when I speak to musicians, um, or, or if I speak to comedians, I always ask like, you know, what's your walkout music for you know for your comedy, and do you always start with a you know the your best joke to pull them in and the same with musicians it's like how much time do you spend working on on the intro because in a world of, of spotify it's saturated and, mm. and we're seeing more and more commercial acts like and pop bands kind of really sort of fine-tuning the science of a pop song to these fast-moving thumbs that that younger generations seem to be getting and, and, and short retention spans um it feels like unless you hook them right at the beginning in them first five seconds, they've gone on to the next thing. So with that in mind, I want to kind of throw that at you and go, when you're filmmaking, and and I, and I, and I want to stress that for, for those that haven't seen uh, what Adam and Tanya do, they're, they're legit beautiful travel documentaries. They're, they're, they're very, very high-end and professional, and, and, and we'll get into your journey in filmmaking, but the platform that you choose, which is YouTube, is very fast-paced, and there's lots of... I don't really understand the algorithms and how these things work, but I also know that people are quick to jump from kind of like video to video because you're constantly exposed to, you might like this, running down the side of the screen, and, and all of these distractions, like a musician will find on, on Spotify and such. So with that in mind, when you make your, your travel docs, do you think i want to do something in the first five seconds that's going to pull them in is that a consideration uh, yes it is but i think beyond just because you're right what you're saying like youtube like everyone's attention span. i'm actually reading a book at the moment called stolen focus and it talks all about everybody's attention span just going shrinking down and how you can't focus deeply on anything long and you just get distracted by short little sound bites like you know you think about instagram um 
and Facebook. It's all just like quick little hits of things that you're scrolling through infinitely. And YouTube can very easily become that from a filmmaking point of view, like people watching films and then they'll just skim through the bit that they want. And then they'll go on to another film and they'll just like, you know, you add chapters into your into your films on, on YouTube now. So people can literally go, oh, I'm not interested in this. So I'll skip forward to this bit. And obviously as a filmmaker, you want to make something that someone's going to want to watch from the beginning to end. And, and it's got, you know, it's got a whole a narrative arc. It's got a, a journey. Um, but I think in terms of like the intro and considering an intro, yeah, it definitely is a big consideration. I think it always has been. Um, I remember learning in media studies before YouTube was even a thing that, you know, the first shot and the first, bit of music the first dialogue the first audio whatever it's going to be in your film is the most important because it does hook an audience in and it gives them something to expect it's like the first line of a first chapter of of a book it's got to like like try and draw you in um and i think that that's been the case always like i think the beginning of something is always really important. They say the beginning and the end isn't it the, yeah. the most important and you've got to hope that people get through the middle yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, you're you're right. At, at some point, you've nowadays it's maybe more important than others. You've got to play the game and pull people in, but you also don't want that to completely dictate your filmmaking process. You don't want to be just chasing what the algorithm thinks. Like yeah. the, I don't know if you've heard of Mr. Beast. He's the biggest, one of the biggest YouTubers in the world. Okay. He's got over a hundred million subscribers, well over I think, and he gets more views every week than the super bowl like it's insane numbers and he talks all about the hook the hook and he is mr youtube algorithm you know he has nailed it he's been obsessed with it since he was like 14 he's only 25 now billionaire like really interesting fascinating person but he is all about the intro it's like you pull people in you you make a promise on what you're going to deliver and what you're going to show them and then you have to deliver on that promise and it's just fast paced fast paced fast paced and it's too much for me it's so like Americanized yeah um and with our films this is why we don't post every week is we want to we want to take pride in what we make and we don't want to just rush through and grab people's attention and make it like an assault on the on the senses which is quite often what YouTube can be um but yeah I don't know if that's answered your question no, absolutely absolutely and I, and I think you know basically you're, you're saying it's a bit of about balance really not compromising the art yeah. but but obviously, you yeah. want to reach an audience as, as as vastly as possible. But I guess it's just getting that compromise right, isn't it? If you do start, I guess if you start writing songs just to to hook people in, then mm. you, you're never really going to be able to experiment with with what you do and try and develop as an artist because it's just about chasing the the, the hit rate. So I, I just it's the first time I've yeah. ever kind of sort of asked somebody that that operates, you know, through. YouTube and and as as somebody who yeah, yeah, yeah. is is so high end and it, mm. yeah, I was just interested as to what the angle was on that so yeah no you answered it perfectly yeah, our, our favorite intros are always seem to be the ones where we try something different and quite often it's easy to hit the formulaic right we've got to introduce who we are introduce that we're in a van show loads of shots of what we've done and then move on and that's nice and it's like punchy and quick but it's always like our favorite intro is our first Scotland film and it's slower and it shows the landscape and it kind of like organically leads you into the fact that we've lived in a van and the van's becoming our home. So I think, yeah, trying something new and not just doing the punchy punchy, which we can fall into a rhythm yeah. of doing, it always ends up being our favorite. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about the first song you remember having uh, an emotional impact on you, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to laugh at me for this one because it could be considered quite tacky. It is uh, Free Lions, a.k.a. Football's Coming Home by Badil and Skinner and what are they called? The Lightning Seeds. The lightning seeds? Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know those guys. I just know the Badil and Skinner. <laughs> um, and that is because football has just been a really important part of my life, especially my childhood. And that song, I just remember it every time a World Cup or a Euros would be on just it really getting in the mood and yeah it's probably not like all the musicians listening will probably be rolling their eyes at me but it's just a song that really does get me feeling it's a fantastic pop song i I went to see the lightning seeds just before christmas um and obviously it was the world cup 
uh, and it got reissued uh, and they played it live and and it's really weird. It was the first time I'd heard that song and, and like you, I've heard that song so many times and it's so yeah. <laughs> evocative and, and it fires you up because it is, it is a call to arms and it's such associated with, for me, 96 and, you know, and, and, and just lots of nostalgia and, and I was listening to it and the opening chords, I was like, I'd never realised that Three Lions, just them opening chords is God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. And I was like, oh my God, it's the same song. And I'd never, ever noticed it until I heard it played live. And it was only when I heard the ding, ding, well, ding, 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 ding. I was like, oh my God, yeah, it's, it's, it's God Only Knows. But a uh, wonderful song. So you said it reminds you of growing up. Where was growing up? So growing up was down in Devon. I was very spoiled. I lived in the southwest in a small town just outside of Dartmouth. I don't know if you've heard of Dartmouth. I have. Um, yeah, love, lovely spot. And yeah, kind of it's one of those places. We, we went back recently, actually, uh, in the van. Um, and I was seeing it more from a travel filmmaking perspective. And it's so funny how I appreciate it in such a different level now. Like growing up, you don't care really how beautiful it is. You just want to play with your mates. And, you know, I did enjoy running around on the beaches and we slept out on the beaches. So in a sense, you could say that we made the most of it. But it's it's still, you till you go away and come back, you don't appreciate how beautiful a place it is or you don't appreciate the good things about where you grow up if you're lucky enough to grow up somewhere as amazing as, as that. So I go back and I'm like, wow, this is the kind of, this is the place that I want to like, go back to and I never thought that I always thought I don't understand why everyone goes back home they move away and they go off and have their life and they come and settle down where they grew up and I was like oh, that's not gonna be me and I think it, it is gonna be me so yeah do you think that's just getting older that you 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 start to see the beauty in in places more because as, as a kid like I mean I, I didn't grow up anywhere near as as, as beautiful as, as Devon but you just take for granted what's there. It's just there, isn't it? Mm. And and it's not a focus mm. of your attentions, I don't think. It is just like day-to-day no. -day living, isn't it? And what's on TV? Where are we going with my mates? And, and I think it's only, uh, for me, it's only as I've got older that I've started to really appreciate things that are pretty and, 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 and yeah. not just be kind of caught up in everything else. And, I, you know, I guess what you do is, is testament to that. But do you th think it's an age thing as well? I think definitely, yeah, because like I think about even just how I travel now when I was younger uh, in 2013, me and my mate hopped in a Vauxhall Corsa and just drove around Europe with no real plan whatsoever. And we spent six weeks driving around Europe and it was the least cultural experience of my life. Honestly, it was just going out, drinking, where's the nearest party? Great, let's drive on, you, you know, drive to Croatia, let's jump in the sea. And it was just, it was just stupid. Like it was totally different to the way of traveling that I do now, which is all about going to the place and experiencing the place and trying to meet the people and, you know, the, understand the culture and the history of a place. So I think, yeah, you just experience the world in a completely different place, in a completely different way as you grow up. And I think that's the same for traveling and for, for home. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a line in, in that I wrote into the film, the, the Devon film that we did when we went back to Devon that says, um, oh God, I've got to remember it now. Um, <laughs> something along the lines of like, really appreciating where I grew up because I was looking at where I grew up through grown up eyes and just how different it is. And yeah, that, that kind of summarizes it for me because yeah, I'm about to turn 36. Uh, so I consider myself technically that's middle aged. Did you know that? Well, I'm, I'm 50 in two months. That's middle age. Mate. That's middle age too. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting no sympathy for being that mate. That <laughs> Harrowing. <clears throat> Harrowing. <laughs> right. Okay. Look, we're going to keep it in the formative years. And for track three, Adam, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Okay, that is Angels by Robbie Williams. And I'm sure a lot of people listening will like that song. I do not like that song. I have not picked it because I like that song. I oh, really? picked it because of memory. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a fan. It's kind of like in the same way that, you know, some people will hear Crazy Frog and that will remind them of a certain time of their life. It's not because they like Crazy Frog. It's just because it's ingrained in their mind. Yeah. And that's what I have with Angels. I actually like the rest of that album. Yeah. It has to be said, I do like Robbie Williams. I do like the rest of the album. But that song, I'm, I've, I'm not a fan of. And it's probably because of the context. 
so it was i lived on a farm for a while um uh between the ages of about 12 and 14 maybe 11 and 14 um it was my mate's farm and he had loads of siblings and i was an only child and we would every morning before school we would go over to his parents which is literally like a two minute walk from from where i was living i was living in a a mobile home kind of caravan thing on their on their land um and we'd all of us him and his like how many do you have one three brothers and two sisters so it's four four five six and me we'd all bundle into this minibus and his parents would drive us two minutes up the road or five minutes up the road to the pub where we'd sit in this minibus and wait for the school bus to arrive. And there was about three or four songs that they would just constantly play in that minibus for like three years. And one of them was Angels. And I just remember every morning before school hearing Angels by Robbie Williams. <laughs> um, and also, so because I was hanging out with him and his brothers, um, there's this thing that's in the countryside called the Young Farmers Club. Mm-hmm. And it's just a way you you, you probably heard I, it. it's a I, way of DJ'd at a young farmers club have uh, you? event and it was the most surreal experience of my life i have dj'd yeah. all over the country and it was me and i used to manage the, the lad that plays jane the inbetweeners and we went and uh-huh. dj'd they booked him to come and dj at this event <laughs> <laughs> and normally at these kind of DJ things where he's at, this was at the time at the height of the in-betweeners, like everybody's like, oh, it's Jay from the in-betweeners. And the, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Farmers, I didn't give a shit. They have got their own (laughs) agenda. And it was one of the most (laughs) surreal things I've ever experienced that night. Yeah. Yeah, they are they are they are mad parties. They're so strange and quite a lot of the time like the parents are there as well. Um and it's like a very mixed group and I remember loads of them having t- um on the back of their t-shirts like I don't know what was going on but there was loads of them with t-shirts that said uh, eat sleep farm repeat. <laughs> it's just like I love that. It's just classic. Yeah. So I was in that world for a little while, the farmer world, and I remember one of the last songs being played like the slow dance song was Angels by Robbie Williams. And I got stuck dancing with my mate's mum, slow dancing with my mate's mum to Angels by Robbie Williams. And I say, I I never realised how long that song was. You know, what is it, like four or five minutes? It felt like an eternity. So that's like awkward teenager, like awkward young teenager dancing with his mate's mum to Angels. And yeah, that's that's what Angels Robbie Williams <laughs> means to me. The wow. awkward young teenager kind of like summed up. You're, you're going to be on a chaise lounge talking to a psychiatrist at some point in your life and it's all <laughs> going to go back to that moment, mate, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. I'll have to, I'll have to like re-list as a song to develop a new relationship to it. Therefore, to my inner self. <laughs> oh wonderful so did you did you enjoy school i did enjoy school actually i was not very a- academic and i only really found what i was 
good at which when I got to do media studies at a level and like I got handed a camera and was like oh what's this and started playing with it and that just naturally became my passion it was the first time I was getting good grades and the teachers liked me <laughs> before that I was I wasn't a troublemaker but I was I'd get bored I wasn't particularly interested in learning the stuff that I was being taught um I was only enjoyed and looking forward to going to school so I could play football with my mates at break like yeah. it's funny because I'm not a, I'm not a musical person at all but when I was a kid I played the violin the drums the guitar I think that's it uh oh and a bit of the piano um that's what I learned but I gave them all up to be able to play football in my break because it was wow. taking away from me just kicking around with my mates so I, I a bit of regret from that but uh, you know I know that if I was put in that position again I'd do the exact same thing because football was like what I absolutely loved yeah. uh, as a kid growing up. And yeah, I wasn't by any means part of the cool kids. Um, mm. But because I was good at football, I never ha got bullied. There was, yeah. I never had any trouble at school from that sense. I always had a good core set of friends and I was quite, I wasn't a very controversial character. So I was quite chilled. Like one of my best mates, he'd get, he'd get, he'd get not bullied, but picked on a bit because he was, with me and he was trying to be part of the cool kids and it just didn't work and he was just trying too hard to be a part of a different group and he got picked on for that but yeah. i was yeah i i enjoyed school wonderful wonderful so did you did the, the minute you said that you found oh, actually i wanted to touch on something there when, when you said about um mm. the, the the instruments that that, that you were sort of you know, mm. learning to to play on there and and i know if you're listening to the podcast that I know it was quite late, late in her life, but your mum learned to play the saxophone. Um, yes, and and so was was home quite a musical place. A little bit, yeah. Mum was one of those people that couldn't have music on in the background. She'd only put it on if she was literally sitting down to listen to it. Yeah. Otherwise, she'd just find a distraction. So it's not like it was on all the time, like when we were eating or doing anything else. But every now and then, she'd just be sat there listening to her music. Um, lots of kind of the lighthouse family she loved. She always quite liked jazz. Um, uh, yeah, I remember, what's that? I can't remember who did it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Aretha Franklin. That song. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, oh, I so, mean, that's got a yeah. killer saxophone solo in it. That must have been yeah. inspirational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was it. But it's, it's really interesting because when mum did take up the saxophone, I was kind of surprised that it suddenly became this passion of hers because even though I knew she enjoyed listening to music and, she would get, she, because she didn't listen to it in the background, I just didn't think it was that much of a part of her life. But now I, you know, reflecting, I, I remember her just sat there just listening to music, like I said. So I think it must have been something that was closer to her heart, maybe more so than I, than I realised. And then I, I, after she passed, she passed away in 2019, at the very beginning of 2019, and I had to go through all of her stuff. And... I found her not big, but quite hefty kind of stack of vinyl. And there's some um, great tracks there. Like she had all the Bob Marley stuff. She had the Beatles. So she had a great taste in music, um, but it was something that she listened to quite privately and she couldn't like have any music on whilst driving. She'd just find it distracting. <laughs> so, and, and, and let's just give that a little bit more sort of context insofar as uh, mm. the, 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 the life that you've gone on to lead and, and essentially... Uh, Jits, which is short for Jitters, which is the the the, the camp oh, yes. that, that you and Tanya live in, and and that was that was your mum's, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, um, mum brought this van, and she called it Jitters because the license plate is JTS, and uh, when you drive it around, it jitters around. If you if you drive it over sixty miles an hour, it's jittering around like crazy. So, Jitters, and then like you say, short for Jitters is Jits, um, and yeah, she went off and did two big trips uh, with on her own with her colleagues. She did six months around Wales and uh, kind of central England. And then she did six months around Scotland. Um, and before that, so this would have been 2016 kind of time. 2015 was the first summer she went away in the van. And then 2016 was the second summer. And this is the first time I was introduced to van life. It hadn't been really something that crossed my mind. Um so it was really interesting to see her go off on her own with the two dogs. And it was something that she really wanted to do. Um, 
And it was just, it was quite an inspiration actually seeing her go off and do that because it's just so brave of her to do that. Like she really embraced retirement. She didn't just sit around kind of like twiddling her thumbs. She, she went for it. Like I said, she learned the saxophone. She took that on and got to a really high level, actually not high as in, you know, world-class high, but she was playing gigs and she was gigging at weddings and stuff. So she, and she was in a band. So to see her do that, it, it was kind of, it was inspirational in the fact that she wasn't afraid to take on new challenges, you, you know, in your 60s you're not too it's not too late to learn new things something she'd never done anything musical before learning saxophone and it's not too late to go out and have these adventures like in a camper van even if it is just you on your own with your dogs in a tiny little van um and then when she passed away in 2019 before that she'd given me like she taught me how to drive the van because I'd never driven a van before so she sent me off in the van and like let me borrow it because I was really interested to see what van life was like after seeing mum do it and yeah, when she passed away, it was just a really nice kind of like legacy that she left was the van and like what the van means, which is this kind of liberation, this freedom and the the idea that, you know, adventures out there, like kind of whoever you are and however old you are. And and I was really fortunate because obviously it's a decent, it's, it's an old van, it's a rusty van, but it's got everything you need in it. And she'd done all the research for me. Like it's a van that you can stand up in. It's got a toilet, it's got a bathroom. Um, and I remember speaking to her about van life and, and thinking, oh, maybe I'll get my own van. And I was looking at these fancy VWs because I was like, oh, I want something cool. And I literally wanted like a bright orange VW. And mum was like, you're an idiot. That's like, that's a weekend van. You can't live in that. Yeah. And also look how much more expensive it is. You're paying for the badge. Yeah. And eventually after looking around, I realized she's right in the jits, jitters, absolutely perfect van. So yeah, super fortunate to have inherited that van from mum and inherited what, you know, the spirit of what that van means and what that van meant to her and be able to take that and yeah live it full time i remember my first trip in jitters uh was uh, to dartmoor just right near where i lived just the moors and i remember after that first night i was like right i want to spend as much time as i possibly can in this van camping out and doing van life and now i can say i've done three and a half years of full-time van life and there's definitely a lot more to come in the future after we've on our backpacking more tropically stuff which unfortunately we can't get the van to <laughs> wonderful wonderful and totally inspiring uh, at four o'clock today yeah. I'm, going, I'm going to look at a van and uh yeah <laughs> no way yeah. really and then uh let's see it'll be my i, I think i'm gonna go for it like uh this, nice this one so uh, and then yeah because when when we spoke before you were saying that is it you're 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 yeah. gonna take the leap into van That's life nice. yeah do you have any trips planned uh ireland definitely ireland uh, again inspired nice. by by what i see of your trip it just just looked oh, looked, looked incredible and uh but yeah but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that later. i want to get back to your story yeah. <laughs> yeah. um okay tell me the first song you remember buying from a record shop okay so again i've got two answers to this uh the answer i tell everyone and then the truth Okay. Uh, the answer I tell everyone <laughs> is is Limp Biscuit because right. that was my second. Yeah, and it just sounds a lot cooler than than the answer to my first, which is the Spice Girls album, <laughs> and that was Spice World. No, not Spice World. What's it called? Just Spice Album, I think. Yeah, yeah. Their but- first album. Um. Yeah, I don't really know why. Uh, I think I just heard the music. Uh, it was, this was being back in primary school. I think I just heard the music and liked it and brought yeah. it. That was it. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing more. No more to it. But I think like it, it, it's very hard to kind of be cool with this question, and and, and I've been really mm. lucky that of, of all the guests that have been on, nobody's ever tried to kind of make out that their first record was something super credible because you've yeah. got young ears and you, you, you just you're going to get drawn to the most kind of bubblegum pop that just sounds as sweet mm. as, as it can sound, and I, I think that's just you know, and I'm I'm always happy that people are, 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 are brutally honest and sometimes you know embarrassed by by some of their <laughs> some of their early early choices. But I, I don't subscribe to guilty pleasures. Pleasures are pleasures, and uh, whatever they pleasures, but like. yeah, but, I like uh, that. I like that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to sort of uh, pick back up on w- when you said you. you 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 done media studies at at, at school uh, mm. and you got given a camera when you were doing your A levels for the first time. Mm. Um, did because 
to, to, to learn how to do stuff like that takes, you know, time and takes focus. And, you know, you said you wasn't necessarily massively academic and, you know, you were mm. far more interested in sort of sport and stuff like that. Like, when you got mm. that camera and you started to kind of put the time in to understand it and to start making films, did that ever feel like, for a lad from a lad in a little town in Devon that this could be a career opportunity yeah because everybody around me suddenly started taking me seriously in a way because they could see that I was good at that and, and and everybody was saying to me great this could like you know like my teachers would joke and say like if you don't go and do this professionally I'm going to kill you kind of thing like you should and it was the first time that anyone had really had that belief in me um so yeah absolutely and 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 you're right like I did struggle at school before academically like I was dyslexic so everything was really difficult I was you know I still think maybe at the time dyslexia wasn't necessarily understood I remember going to a special dyslexic like thing in my break time so again taking away from football and it just feeling like a waste of time like they were trying to like make me write my D and my B the right way so that I wasn't doing them backwards because like I'd write in mirror image sometimes and the the teacher asked me oh how, how are you feeling about this because I was I think making quite a clear <laughs> statement by my actions that I was bored and she asked me how I said and I just said straight oh, I'm just bored and she she refused to teach me from that moment on and it was great because it wasn't helping me it was taking away from my leisure time and yeah I just think that the way dyslexia was dealt with wasn't really helpful and I got extra time in exams maybe that was helpful but it wasn't addressing the problem it was just giving me more time and and I think something that's quite often missed is you don't in education in the education system like you don't find what lights that kid lights the kid up and until I picked up a camera I hadn't found what lit me up so I was just going through the motions at school um and playing football because that lit me up and you know, I think I was being dyslexic. I was always quite a visual person. So even when I was a child and I was playing with my action figures, I'd be visualizing them in all sorts of scenes and kind of without realizing I would be making up films and making up stories about these, these kids. And like, I'd be having these different angles of what was going on. So almost these different camera angles, of what yeah. was going on. It was bizarre thinking back on it. Like I was doing that without realizing. Yeah. So then to bring it back to when I first picked up a camera and people around me, yeah, I was suddenly doing something that other people, you know, adults were like taking notice of. And I don't, you know, I look back on my stuff now, I don't think it was anything particularly special. I just think that it was like, it was good. And I was, and, and everyone could see I was enjoying it and I had a little bit of a natural flair for that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, mum was always very, very supportive of me, whatever I wanted to do, but, she never really expected me to go to university. She didn't because I wasn't doing well academically and she was fine with that. But my path was very, very, it was a very narrow path, basically, the one I was walking until I picked up a camera. I was literally probably just going to work, oh, well, at the time of doing my A-levels, I was working part-time at a bar. Um, I had no idea what was going to be next for me. Um, I just knew that I enjoyed making films and then eventually got into university, um, continued to enjoy it. I actually changed from film studies to broadcasting because film studies was, was too theoretical and I saw all the people on broadcasting playing around with cameras, which is what I wanted to do, so I switched yeah. to that. And where, and then, where was that? Did yeah, you, did you, where did you go to uni? Falmouth. Yeah. Falmouth, yeah, down in Falmouth. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. Love, loved Falmouth. Um, and again, uni for me, I think I said this to you when we spoke before, uni for me was just a great way of me learning how to play with cameras and learning like teaching myself basically I don't think I learned anything specifically from the people around me but I just had the time and the excuse to just play around with, with cameras and then I was very lucky to come out of university with um yeah with a job like a job for this tiny little production company filming sailing and that was what got me started and I was yeah so so lucky um Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One of the other things that uh, I imagine happened when you got to... We'll pick back up on that. Um, one of the <laughs> other things uh, that I imagine happened when you got to Falmouth as a student was clubbing, right? Mm. Tell me the song. That a little bit. It's not that. a very big clubbing scene, but yes. Uh, when, when was clubbing? So I know you, you did also move a little later to London. Was that where the kind of clubbing started? Uh, clubbing started actually when I was still um, doing my A-levels because I uh, something happened. I can't remember exactly why, but I was doing my A-levels a year, a year later. I think it was because when I went to do A-levels at school, it was the first year that my school was doing a levels and i think they had a bit of a reset after the first year so i had to start my courses again so i did three years of a levels rather than two so i was actually 18 when i was doing my post 16 when i was doing my okay. a levels so it started when i was still in dartmouth and we'd go over to torquay for our clubbing that was where my clubbing scene started torquay right. british riviera <laughs> <laughs> good good memories good memories yeah there was this club called route 66 which is shut down now and i remember going there it was you'd never get anything like this now i'm sure not in the uk anyway 12 pound entry all you could drink all night that's no questions asked there was no it it is mad (laughs) and there was no there was no kind of like bracelet there was no cup it was just whatever you're in of course drinks are free Uh, dangerous but so much fun (laughs) i think uh I think the government. I mean, I I, I run a nightclub. Uh, that, that's that's uh, that, that's what I do. And I I think the the local licensing commission. I don't think they'd be down for that kind of stuff anymore. I think it's, <laughs> no. it's sort of frowned no, upon. That's a thing of the past. Yeah, twelve quid coming. Yeah, fill your boots. It's like yeah. I don't think that happens anymore. It's such a it shame. Was dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, tell me a little about the songs, uh, because I think you was greedy on this one as well. Uh, the songs that no, sound... no, no, was it just the one on this one? No, I picked one on this one. I, I knew this one was immediate. I knew exactly what this one was. This was the easiest choice for me. Wonderful. What are we going for? So it's "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses, and it's not you know it's not the kind of song that most people think of when they think of clubbing it's not a traditional clubbing track but at the end of the night every night on a friday or saturday whichever night i went both um it was the song that they play at the very end of the night and i just have so many memories there being like 18 um being fairly intoxicated should we say and just high on life and i remember the um the lyrics like there's parts of the song and i i read into them thinking they're quite reminiscent a lot of the a lot of the lyrics and the song itself is quite reminiscent and it's about looking back and it's like sweet child of mine and i remember quite often having moments of being really present appreciating being young loving the fact that i'm making the most of my youth of <laughs> what i thought was making the most of my youth being battered in the club um and just knowing that my whole life was like ahead of me and i remember thinking how sad it would be being future me looking back at this and knowing it was the past and that is me when I was 18 and I'm turning 36 this month so it's 18 years later so I've lived that amount of time again looking back at me thinking that it's mind-blowing the blink of an eye I've lived another 18 years since then and yeah it's crazy but I don't look back at it sadly I look back at it really really fondly and and that's quite yeah. That's it's, quite just a, it's just thoughts a, to have as an eighteen-year-old. I mean, I don't know if any, any, well. anything that's to do with it, the twelve quid and drink all you want, but but like <laughs> that, that that's quite a 
you know, the fact that you can recall thinking that as well, that, that's quite a heavy mm. and, and impactful thought to have at that sort of formative age. Yeah, I was always thinking about time. That was something that I always was fascinated. It always made me emotional, like the passing of time, that thing that you can't control. Like having a birthday every year, even when I was a kid, like even when I was like 15, 16, you know, I hated, I hated it. I hated getting older. I've come to terms with it now. <laughs> now I genuinely am getting older. <laughs> but it's a, it's a weird one because you're simultaneously the oldest you've ever been and the youngest you will ever be at any one time in your life, right? And I think fucking about that hell, a lot. I've and never that is thought a, that. That's fucking surreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you're, you're not, I don't think we've evolved to deal with that, have we? Because that's such an odd thing. And you can't time, just drop just, that on someone that's just about to turn 50, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's, it's, it's very easy for me to go very dark when I think about time, but yeah. I don't mean it when I say, it. even though it feels dark. I, it sounds dark. I don't mean it like that. It's just a yeah. way of, I think it's a way of me reflecting on it. I don't know. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll quickly go off topic a little bit, but there's this book I read called Buddhism Without Beliefs, and it speaks about how you should meditate on death. And again, they say that that sounds depressing until you understand why. And the reason you should meditate on death, it's kind of like if you, the analogy this author uses, if you hurt your thumb, you, let's just say you've got your thumb in a cast because you've broken your thumb. The day that your thumb comes out of your cast, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm so glad I've got my thumb back because that was really annoying to not have my thumb. But very quickly, that feeling of appreciating your thumb will just disappear and you'll just take it for granted. So if you don't think, oh my God, I'm so lucky to have this thumb, then you'll just take it for granted. Same with life. If you spend as much time as you can thinking about the fact that you're going to die, <laughs> then you will appreciate the fact that you are alive now. Yeah. And my favorite quote, from a film is now is the envy of all of the dead. And I think that just sums it up entirely. So every birthday I get upset about the fact that a year has gone that I'll never get back. And people can tell me, Oh, but it's only a number. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a number closer to the number I'm going to die at, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and I can't get, I can't get past that. But the way I deal with that is by thinking, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to be here forever. And I am getting close to death. So I better live and make the most of it. And, you know, that's a lot of the driving motivation for what I do and the decisions I make through life. And that ensures that I am traveling full time. I am doing the best that I can do in my life. Yeah. Uh, well, trying to, you know, trying to. And there's, I guess there's two ways you can go. You can let it stress you out about not making the most of your time, or you can let it motivate you to just enjoy the journey. And that's how I try and approach it. Absolutely. Sorry, I went off on one there. No, not at all. Not at all. That's what. That's the, the, the beauty of podcasting. You know, there's always space to do that. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, the, you, your, your desire for adventure and experience, you know, again, just to shout it out there, you know, go on YouTube, people, if you've not done so already, uh, and, and, and search for Jits in the Sunset because it's it's inspirational. It's, it's, it's like I say, it's, it's made me, put myself in a position where I'm buying a camper and I'm going to go and, and experience different places and, and just, yeah, enjoy and max the time that you're here, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for that shout. It means a lot. Okay. Okay. Well, let's take you home. And, uh, and for track okay. six, uh, I want a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Now I've been greedy. Home county. Oh, uh, I read it as country. I read it as country. Adam, don't okay. worry. I've done. I've done. Dyslexic, see? Mate, <laughs> it, it's not just that. It's like I've done over four hundred of these, and I reckon <laughs> three hundred and eighty people have just always go, "Oh shit." Oh, county. I thought it was country. <laughs> so why I never put that in big block capitals when I send the questions over, yeah. I'll never know. But it's fine. <laughs> okay, we, I can we, do it. Okay. I know I can do it. I can do it. Right. I've got lots of options, actually, because I'm from Devon. Ben Howard. I love Ben Howard. He's from Devon. But I'm going to go for a lesser known one. There's an artist called Cosmo Jarvis. I don't know if you've heard of him. Of course. You have? Yes. Well, there you go. Great. Cosmo Jarvis. So there's a track called Love This by yeah. Cosmo Jarvis. And I've, I, I love that track and I appreciate him so much as an artist because he's been quite inspirational to me in a lot of ways, because you can just see 
his journey and how he just is so prolific in putting stuff out there. He's taught himself to play all the instruments. He's had no formal training. He struggled at school just like me. And he's just not afraid of what people think. He will just put content out and music out and his films out. And he is a filmmaker, of course, as well as a, as well as a musician. And I've just found him a great inspiration. And he's always been like a few years younger than me. And obviously always um he's a few years younger than me and, and it's always made me go yes i've got to like i've got to step up my game i've got to keep making and keep creating and i in a way in a healthy way i think i've used to compare myself to him we've taken completely different journeys now but i used to compare myself to him in in, in the sense of like am i creating am i making things and looking at him and seeing he is just following his passion and just making whatever like there's a youtube film of him literally it's some called something like this was back when he was like 16, 17, 10 things you can do with a bin. And it's just him like jumping around with a bin. And I was just like, he just, he's just making stuff for the fun of it. And I, I found that really inspirational. So there you go. That's probably a better answer than, uh, than the one from my country. Cosmo Jarvis is a lovely surprise or perfect addition to the playlist. Um, Yeah. Nice. Tell me about the sort of pressure you put on yourself to create, because you, you said that, you know, you was just watching what he was doing and, and I'm mm. feeling inspired by that. And and like, how much pressure do you put on yourself? Because there must have to be a balance when when you're travelling between the the part of of your travels, which is I want to experience adventure and experience. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, obviously by filming it, you're documenting it as well, which is you know the most perfect photo album you're ever going to have. But like, mm. not not just the travel. Uh, docs when you when you're out in jits but just in general like uh, as, as somebody who's clearly found a, a creative spark when, when they were at sixth form like because i don't know like the, the creative things that i do i always if i just sit there and i think oh do you know what i'm just gonna watch a bit of telly for an hour like half hour in i'm like Oh, do you know what? Like, let, let me just come write that bit down, and it's like, and I, and I kind of feel that I'm sort of cheating on creativity if I sit still for too long and don't do something. That sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but but do you put pressure on yourself to, to 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 keep sort of creating things and 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 putting stuff together? Sometimes I think it's got worse, and I have to really keep a handle on it now. Like we were talking about YouTube earlier and how it's quick paced everyone's making stuff like most youtube content creators will make a film every week if not more often than that that's the standard thing and like really and truly to be the most successful you can be on youtube you should be making something every week and i've always fought against that since day one since we started traveling and making films i never wanted to do that because I knew a I wouldn't enjoy it and b I wouldn't be making the best films I could be I'd be just churning stuff out so I really have to like not compare myself to other people who are who've taken a completely different approach really to 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 the filmmaking and to YouTube and but who are like you know they'll be surpassing us in their numbers like every kind of like few weeks we'll see another creator go oh yeah look at them getting more views and and more stuff and that's because they're playing the algorithm and it's a really tough one because I have to remind myself that it's not about the numbers. Obviously the numbers are important in terms of the making a living. Like they have to be, you can only, you can't get away from that, but that's not the sole reason I'm making the films and that we're making the films. So we have, we have to just be kinder to yourself, I think, and remind yourself that as long as you're enjoying the process, then that's the most important thing. Otherwise it's not sustainable. And then you won't make anything. Like if you, are just cranking out things because you think you should you'll burn out and then you won't enjoy it and then you'll stop full stop so it's kind of like a slow and steady wins the race situation i think or whatever your pace is like some people definitely thrive on making videos every week but it's not for me and yeah i think other than youtube yeah i i can be hard on myself like i i was actually i met up with a friend of mine the other day who i lived in london with because i I haven't really spoken about that, but I lived in London after university for, for 10 years. Um, and we had a small film collective as me and two others. And I met up with both of them actually the other day shooting a music video, um, just a passion project for fun. And we were talking about the years we had in London and they were at peace with it, but I was still a, 
have a bit of regret for not doing more there, not doing more in our 20s when we had the time, we had the freedom. You know, there was nothing really, well, time was maybe the thing, but there was nothing really holding us back from making more and making more and experimenting more of our filmmaking. And I definitely had a, a moment where my confidence got knocked because I made something that wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. And I let that put me off making my own films for a while. And do you, yeah, do you, do you make again, reference I'm not to really... that, look, to yourself when when you're you're feeling the you know that that pressure of getting on the youtube wheel and weekly content and you know do you ever kind of cast your mind back to that moment and go do you know what that that really pissed me off when i kind of didn't put out something that i felt was a good representation of myself do you ever kind of reference that when you find you know yourself, yeah you know doing what you do now and 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 not maybe putting that content as as frequently as other van lifers and such Mm. do you know what i mean yeah, with yeah that? A, a little bit yeah I, I think so but it's funny because you can go the other way you can go too far down that route and become a perfectionist which is yeah. not healthy and i think also and i definitely am guilty of this like being a perfectionist it can be a sign of insecurity it's like because when you make something you put it out there that's a reflection of your ability it's a reflection of you it's a reflection of your personal identity on you know i consider myself a filmmaker so therefore here's my films here's my film everybody this is me and i think that and this is where it comes back to what i was thinking about with cosmo jarvis and what he's an inspiration is he'll just do it and put it out there and not care and he'll develop and he'll understand you have to make crap films before you can make good films whereas i better now than i was but there's definitely one of the reasons that i would take so long or that we would take so long before posting our films would be like they have to be perfect they have to be perfect and that's not healthy because then it will never be done and you'll never be happy with it and and yeah it's just i think it's kind of like saying you're a perfectionist i heard this on another podcast actually someone saying that saying you're a perfectionist is essentially saying oh i'm too good for this i'm too good to have finished that thing i'm too good to have done that quickly and that's not what i want to be i i, I want to make the things the best i can but not let that hold me back i don't know if i'm articulating this well but yeah, do you know no, what absolutely, i mean absolutely absolutely like yeah very 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 concise um okay well look we, we, we've spoke about uh, so many songs and what I want to do with this one is, is kind of uh, allow you to be a, a taste, not a taste, make an influencer. You're a YouTuber. You become an influencer now. <laughs> oh, and, uh, you can be an influencer. You get down with the kids. Um, tell down me a song, kids. <laughs> Adam, that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. God, I could have said so many for this, um, but I'm going to go with Slipped Over by Paul Vito. And he's a very small artist based in Bristol. He's actually a very good friend of mine. And I think his music is great. It's lots of it is about anxiety, about his journey with anxiety. And yeah, he was the, he was the filmmaker who I was with in London as well. So he's a filmmaker. He's had a, um, a theater, uh, collective a film collective with me and he's a musician he's been in a band and now he's doing his own solo stuff and it's just great i think great music is really interesting and it's quite unique and modern and it's a good example of me showing look i can choose a cool song <laughs> because all my other songs <laughs> have been a bit questionable uh but look I'm cool. I'm down with the kids. Here's some alternative indie music. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. Well, we make it really easy, Adam, for people to go and uh, listen to that track, uh, as well as all of the other songs that you, you, you've picked today, because we put together a little Spotify playlist that accompanies uh, this podcast. Great. And, I mean, I've had an absolute joy uh, talking to you today. And, and this is the first time That's that been great. Uh, I'm going to have uh, a, a, a couple on and, and, and to have... Yeah, to have you and then uh, and to have Tanya coming up in a, in, in a moment uh, is is going to be really interesting because I'm so used to seeing you both together and 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 and, and you know doing what you do, it's going to be really interesting you know to sort of it's been lovely to speak to you and and, and it's you know equally it's going to be lovely to sort of get Tanya's perspective on on the journey and such. So, um, what I will say as well because I'm going to hammer this point home that I've, I've mentioned the YouTube channel, but. Tell us a little bit more about if people want to follow you and keep up the speed with you and what you're going to be doing. Like, give us a, a, a big sales pitch, mate. Go for it. Okay, big big sales pitch. I'll, I'll keep it sharp. <laughs> so 
yeah, to, to find anything we do, if you go to jitsintothesunset.com, that will have links to our YouTube channel and our podcast. Um, and yeah, as I said, we've lived full time in our camper van for three and a half years making travel films. Uh, the podcast is interviews with people who have lived alternative lives outside of the 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 traditional nine to five, the traditional kind of trajectory that most people, you know, can easily go down unless they make purposeful decisions to go against the grain. So we speak to them, we speak to them about why they've done it, uh, get to know them. And yeah, we really enjoy it. It's an absolute passion project. I mean, you know, podcasting is so much fun to do and you get to have really good chats with people that, you know, you otherwise wouldn't necessarily get to, to chat with, at least not in the same way. And it forces Absolutely. these great conversations. So we love that podcast. That's an absolute passion project of ours. And we're, we're going to really endeavor to keep that going. And next for us, uh, we want to go somewhere a bit further afield. Um, not quite jits wouldn't get there. <laughs> so we are going off, we're going east. We're going to, we're starting off in Indonesia and we're hoping to go to places like, again, this is all very preliminary, but we want to go like Japan, Nepal, and we want to do like lots of hiking outdoor adventure films and just get to know places that are further afield from Europe and film something that will really inspire me from a visual point of view, because I love Europe and it's yeah. been amazing being here for the last three years, but I think I want something a bit more exotic to get those, yeah. you know, get those juices flowing again. And yeah, we're really excited. Hopefully going to be having about a year of that oh, and wow. then maybe building a homestead, maybe building out another van. Who knows the the, the book's kind of open and ongoing, yeah. Um, but yeah, very exciting times ahead. Oh, it's been a pleasure watching your journey so far and I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. Adam, thank you so much, mate. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I, we, Tanya and I were speaking, we were looking at the list of guests you have and we were getting imposter syndrome because we were like, wow, like these <laughs> massive names. No one's going to know who we are. What are we doing here? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's an absolute honor to be on the podcast and thank you so much for giving us this platform, this amazing platform. Oh, absolute pleasure, mate. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. There you go. Thank you very much, Adam. What a wonderful human he is and... Afterwards, we had a, a lovely little chat, and, uh, and 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 remember, this is part one of a two-parter. So, um, as soon as that chat finished, I literally popped and had a quick wee and uh, and filled up me uh, me little glass of water, and then I was back in to sit down to do part two um, with Tanya, uh, the, the the co-creator, co-presenter. Uh, I don't know what co-person um, of of Jits into the sunset. So. Um, yeah, make sure you go and check out part two and uh, and get Tanya's uh, version of uh, of events and Tanya's uh, incredible story, which is way different uh, to, to Adam's. So um, it's a really, really lovely sort of um, balance of, of chats that we get. So that's available now. So um, go and check it out. Right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>